Good morning, church. Sorry to be coming to you in a video format like this. Many of you knew that Shannon got COVID. She got the Rona. And my wife is an incredibly sharing woman, a very giving woman. So she doesn't like to keep things to herself. She's more of a one flesh kind of thinker. And so she passed the Rona on to me. Uh, but uh, she's actually lost uh, taste and smell. I haven't. So I feel like there's a little bit of justice in there. Nonetheless, we are doing okay. Uh, getting through it. It's been like a bad cold for us. I know it hits everyone differently. We hope to be back with you next Sunday. Uh, should all go well. The thing I don't like about being with you this morning in person is I was really looking forward to seeing Laura host or host S the morning services. Uh, she does such an amazing job up front. I, I've caught her at a woman's Bible study one time. And uh, so I was excited to see her and I'm sorry to miss that. But nonetheless, we are going to jump into some good teaching. I hope, I pray. In fact, uh, I, of course, I don't feel 100%. I do have my coffee going. I'll show you this. Here's my favorite mug. This is the mug I drink out of every morning for about 20 years now. You can see some far side there, cat food. Oh, please. Oh, please. There you go. So I got my coffee going. Hopefully we will be a-okay. But this is the thing. Listen, in this moment, I am so aware that God has to move because I don't feel great in the video format and all that. This is just a moment of clarity that reveals what is true every Sunday when any one of us preaches. We need God to move, right? So Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, what I just said is so true. We need you. And I know these people love Shannon and me, and I know they would pray for me for healing. Yes, Lord, please heal us up. My bigger concern right now is that you would move during this time. And thanks for the moment of clarity of how desperately dependent we are upon you, for you to move, for you to speak, Every Sunday morning, this is no different. Lord, speak, please. And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As we jump in this morning, finish this saying for me. Ready? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... I'm not there. I have no idea if you said a word, right? But words will never hurt me, right? What a load of crap right? I mean, listen, I can crush my kid's spirit with words. I can hamstring them for life with my words. Some of you right now are still living under the shadow of some hard words that were said to you when you were just a little kid. You can still taste the sting of those words. They still have control in your life. Listen, words matter. Words are powerful. Remember when God wanted to speak the universe into existence, right? There was nothing and he wanted something, so he spoke. He used words. That's powerful. When Jesus came, we knew him at John chapter 1. He is the word of God. Proverbs 18, 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The ability to build up and to tear down words matter. Words are powerful. 
And so that brings us to our passage as we are going through 2 Thessalonians. We are now in chapter 3 and we're going to see that words matter. Look at this passage. First five verses of chapter 3 say this. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your heart to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Paul begins chapter 3 by saying, finally. (laughs) It's kind of interesting because at the end of chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 is a benediction. Uh, Like he's about to end the service or end the letter, right? And he says, oh, what? Yeah, I do have some wrap-up stuff, so I'm just going to wrap up here, kind of, sort of. Like when a preacher says, oh, one last thing, and you know you're on the hook for another 15 minutes, right? So Paul is saying, finally but he has a little bit more he wants to say. And what we're going to see from this passage is that words matter, okay? It speaks about God's word going forth. It says that there are wicked and evil men. Those are people to whom words meant nothing. Then he says, pray for us. Of course, you use your words to pray. Then he says, the Lord is faithful. That is, he keeps his word. Then Paul writes encouraging words, which will be like water to a parched soul. And then he ends on the love of God. And you'll see how that fits in toward the end. All right, so he starts out, he says, pray that God's word may speed ahead and be honored. Now, he says it is a word. It's a verbal message. It talks about spreading the word of God. Which means our ministry as Christians is not just about going out there and being nice people, okay? Certainly our lives should harmonize with our message, absolutely. But it is a message, a word about what Christ did, not about what we do. See, otherwise, Christianity becomes a message of works, right? Work harder, be nicer people like us good Christian folk. (laughs) But to be honest... We're not very nice either. Jesus is, and he paid for all our meanness. So receive Christ, be forgiven, be reconciled. That's the message. That's the word. It is the gospel. And in the gospel, words matter. Now, the gospel is what makes Christianity unique. You understand that every world religion wants people to be nicer, but what they lack is the gospel of Christ. So some are saying, okay, yeah, I'll pray that y'all spread the message of the gospel. I'll pray for those missionaries out there. But here's the thing. If you are a Christian, you are a missionary. And past That idea right there, it's just a matter of details of where you live. 
See, we tend to think of missionaries as out there overseas. But you understand, when Jesus came into the world, he claimed the whole world as his mission field. So wherever you live, you live in Christ's mission field. And you are called as a disciple of his to represent him there. So in our small groups, women's study, men's study, community groups, whatever it is, we should be praying for each other, that we would be the aroma of Christ wherever we are, that the word would go forth from our lives to people who need to hear it. Okay? Look at this. Every Christian, a missionary. Every Christian home, a mission outpost. Go spread the gospel. Words matter. Let me hit pause there for a second, because I've used the word gospel a few times there, and I want to make sure we're on the same page. The gospel simply means good news. That's what the word means. But it's important that we understand that it's good news, not good instruction. News, when you open an app and you read the news, you're reading about what has been done. News is about what has been done. Instruction is about what needs done. The gospel is good news. The idea comes from the delivery of news from the battlefront. If your city went out to war against another army, okay, your army would be out there and then a messenger would run all the way back from the battlefront to the city to deliver the news. Now, if it was bad news, it was actually instruction, okay? What to do. In other words, we lost the enemy is coming, get ready, work hard, run, hide, defend, save yourself. Save yourself, right? See where this is going? If it was gospel, if it was good news, it was not about what to do, but about what was already done. It was news, not instruction. Our army won. The enemy's defeated. You've been saved. What do you need to do? Nothing except throw a party and celebrate. That's it. Now, Paul says this gospel, this good news, he wants the word to speed ahead and be honored. Okay? It's two things. So we want the good news to spread far and wide to every city. We want it to go to every demographic within our cities. We want it to go to every person. But what happens when the good news enters the city? I want you to imagine this exhausted runner who came from the battlefront, just kind of gets in the city gates, collapses and gasps out the good news, declaring the victory. And all the citizens go, meh, meh. Okay. See, Paul wants the good news, the word to not only speed ahead to get everywhere, but to be honored. So it's not just about breadth, but it's also about depth. And so may it be with Redemption Chapel. That we want the gospel to go both wide and deep. Deep and wide. That's the desire for our church. That it would be both extensive and intensive. We want it to speed ahead and be honored. 
Paul warns that that doesn't always happen. He said in there, quote unquote, for not all have faith. Not all have faith. See, everybody responds to the gospel one way or another. Some with humility and joyful faith, yes. But some with hostility, sometimes persecution. Some with disbelief or apathy or religion. Everybody responds, but not all have faith. Notice, though, that that doesn't stop Paul, not in the least. He goes anyway. He preaches the word anyway. Understand this. Our responsibility is to graciously and winsomely deliver the good news of the gospel. How they respond is between them and the Lord. That didn't stop Paul, and that shouldn't stop us. So what we do is we go on a treasure hunt. Not expecting to find gold under every rock, but we keep flipping them over to try to find where the gold is. Remember this. Every Christian, a missionary. Every Christian home, a mission outpost. And so may God's words speed ahead and be honored because words matter. Words matter. All right. So here's the second point flowing from this passage. Paul says, pray for deliverance from, quote, wicked and evil men, end quote. Wicked and evil men. Now, I believe these are actually people inside the church, not outside the church. The Greek word wicked means out of place. Wicked people are in place in the world. They're out of place in the church. And the Greek word for evil there that gets translated as evil in English, that's a word that Paul, throughout the New Testament, almost exclusively uses of evil people inside the congregation, whether they're false teachers or unrepentant sinners. Okay? These are people perhaps inside the church. And what he says about them is, for not all have faith. Paul, I believe, has in mind so-called Christians that are part of the, ch of the church, but they do not have faith. They claim Christ, but their words meant nothing. You see that? Now, sometimes people are very kind and are affirming of Redemption Chapel to me. Wow, I've heard so much good things about your church. You know what I usually say to them in response? I brag on you guys. <laughs> Often. And I say something like, listen, we just have really great people. They really love Jesus. They really believe it. They're really growing like crazy. They're, they're reaching out and serving others. It's so cool. It's so cool. My point is this, that it's not just the preaching of the word from the pastors, but it's also the receiving. It's the faith. It's the response. It's the growth, right? So it's the baptism stories and the redemption stories. That, to me, is what is breathtaking about Redemption Chapel. It's not only Christ's work, but how the people there are responding. It's gorgeous. Now, not everyone. So yeah, we probably have within our congregation some Christians in name only. And the question for you to ponder is, which are you? God is not fooled by your insincere words. He's looking right at your heart. He's uh, not looking for knowledge. He's not looking for flapping gums. He's looking for faith. For not all have faith. All right. 
Now, the third thing is this. Paul's put two prayer requests there, but he said, pray for us. He wanted them to pray for these things, right? And why pray? Because words matter. Words matter. Now, the Greek there is one of continuous action. It's not like a one and done pray for us. It's keep on praying for us. What that shows is Paul's desperate dependence on the movement of God. This is the Apostle Paul. For crying out, He could have said, man, I'm Paul. I got this. He didn't say that. He said, would you please pray for us? Because unless God moves, we're done. We're done. All the time as a staff team, we pray something along these lines. God, if you move, it's going to be amazing. But God, if you don't, we're dead. We're just, it'll be worthless, Lord. Would you please move? Listen, here's the alternative. Ready? Redemption Chapel is awesome. It's awesome. Look at our building. Look at our band. Look at our pastors. We have all the right people, all the right giftings, all the right strategies. I mean, have you seen our website? And we have classes and systems and methods. We don't even need God to move. Could you imagine? I mean, obviously, I'm being facetious, but it gives me chills. Like, not in a good sense, bad chills, just to, just to verbalize that. Oh, no, no. We need you to pray so, so very much. Would you please pray for your pastors? Pray for your elders. Pray for our staff. Pray for the congregation. Pray for the various ministry departments of our church, like the youth and women and men and whatever. Pray for our local missions partners. In fact, I want to take you to our website right now. If you go to our website, click on ministries, drop down menu, click on missions, you'll go to this page right here, and you'll see at the bottom there, local partners. Each one of those is a link you can click on to get more info about these various ministries in the areas that you can be praying for. Please pray for them. Okay? Okay. You can also pray for our missionaries like the Breckbills, Zieglers, Beggs, Lokers, St. Jean's, Emily Dodson. Uh, pray for our mission trips. Sometimes we go down to Oaxaca or to Costa Rica to the orphanage there. You can pray for our initiatives like foster care, racial reconciliation, addiction recovery. It's no coincidence in the Lord, like we didn't plan it, the Lord planned it, that Laura's announcement today was about prayer link. The whole point of prayer link is that we desperately need you to pray for your church, please, because words matter. Now, I want to give you a couple thoughts on prayer. Number one, remember words matter. Words are powerful, but this is the thing. It's not some kind of name it, claim it, word faith, speak it into existence bullcrap. No. In this case, it's not that our words are powerful. It's that with our words, we are praying to a very powerful God. He's powerful. Second thought on prayer. I love in this passage the combination of both word and prayer. It's not word only, and it's not prayer only. So we must put feet to it, or in this case, lips to it. We've got to speak the word, but we realize that the power ultimately belongs to God. So never stop preaching, never stop praying. 
You see, it's both. It's both. Third thought on prayer. Uh, one of the great things that Paul does in this passage, listen, praying for others can bust you out of your myopic, self-centered self-pity. Remember, the Thessalonian Christians were hurting. There was persecution. There was sexual immorality in the church. They were grieving, perhaps because of persecution. Their loved ones were killed. There was misunderstanding about the second coming of Christ. Then there were these idle mooches in the congregation. Like, it was a mess. They were hurting. And so what Paul said is, hey, we need you guys to pray for us. Wait, what? Don't miss this. It is so healthy to realize that the world is bigger than your problems. To be giving, not just receiving. And even when you are hurting, no, 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 especially when you are hurting, I want you to start praying big prayers for other people. And watch how God moves. It is so healthy to realize the world is bigger than just your problems. Right, the fourth and last thought on prayer then. You know what is even more powerful than praying for someone? It's praying with someone. So, so what if instead of telling people, hey, I'll pray for that. You say, hey, let me pray with you right now. Ooh, that's different. In your community groups, when somebody shares some hard stuff, what if you pause and all pray for and with them right then? When you're out grabbing a beer with a brother, or maybe you're meeting for accountability over coffee with some accountability partner, and somebody shares a tough struggle, say, let's pray. Oh, we're out in public. Who cares? Go pray, right? I want Redemption Chapel to be more of a praying church where we naturally, along the way, pray with each other. You see, that's all very powerful stuff. And the reason why is because words matter. Words matter. All right. Next thought about words mattering from this passage is this. The Lord is faithful. Because he keeps his word. He keeps his word. Listen, when, when things get tough, whether it's in my family or my own life, sometimes among our staff team, church is challenging at times. I'll ask this question. Is Jesus still on his throne? That's what matters. Is Jesus? See, the faithful one has not relinquished his throne. So we can show he's in control. He keeps his word. He's faithful. And so Paul said to them, he said, God will establish you and guard you. Doesn't mean it won't be hard. Doesn't mean health and wealth garbage. Shoot, for the Thessalonians, it meant persecution. So, so what's it mean? It means Paul saying, listen, I see you. I see what you're going through. And just hearing that, don't you long to hear that? Doesn't your soul crave for when you're going through hard stuff for people to say, hey, I see what you're going through. But don't forget God's faithful. God's on his throne. Paul is reminding them God has not forgotten his word. He is faithful. We forget that. We need reminded of that. As I was preparing this part of the message, I was reminded of a story about Corey Ten Boom. Maybe you know about her. Her and her family hid Jews from the Nazis. They got caught, and so they were sent 
uh, to a concentration camp. And uh, Corey and her sister Betsy, uh, when they were taken to one of the camps, it was a horrible place, flea-infested, overcrowded, just terrible place. So they read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 on the way in. And Betsy reminded Corey to give thanks in all circumstances. So she challenged her sister, Corey, to thank God for absolutely everything in the camp. And Corey tried, but she could not thank God for the fleas. The fleas were horrible, horrible. Now, in the months ahead, what they discovered is that they could hold Bible studies in their barracks freely without the guards interfering. That was almost unheard of. The guards always broke that up. They didn't in their barracks. What they later found out was that the guards were afraid to get the fleas. God is faithful. He's on his throne. He hasn't forgotten. He keeps his word. He hasn't forgotten you. We don't always see it at first, but he keeps his word because words matter. The Lord is faithful. What Paul does next in this passage is he's going to write some encouraging words to them. Remember, we've called this letters from your dad. And so here's dad saying, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. He says, like, the word was honored among you. I have confidence in the Lord about you. You are walking faithfully. You will continue to. Oh, I know it. Right? And don't we long, we crave to hear, I'm proud of you. I have confidence in you. You got this. I see awesome stuff in you. Don't we crave that? Because words matter. Specifically, words of affirmation. I am starting to realize that my kids crave this from me. Now, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher. And so I raise them on my words of wisdom. And, and I've come to realize what they really need from me is my words of affirmation. <laughs> Granted, I, I wish I figured this out 20 years ago. Now they're adult kids and I'm done. <clears throat> right? But here's that, that verse from Proverbs 18, verse 21 again says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what if we, think about this, what if we, as Christ's followers, became people who flooded everyone else with words of life? Not cheesy, but sincere, deep affirmation. Now, if we did that, then instead of thinking Christians are mean, okay, listen, the studies that are done that ask non-Christians what you think of Christians, they often say we're mean. Okay? Man. If we, if we did this, maybe instead of saying we're mean, what if they were like, hey, I, I don't know about that Jesus stuff, but dang, I like hanging around Christians. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, I would love that. Listen. What if you assumed that the people around you are starving for words of affirmation just like you? What if we flooded our family members with words of affirmation instead of words of criticism? What if we flooded, okay, wait for it. What if we flooded social media with words of life 
set of words of death. I get so tired of watching Christians, or at least those who claim the name of Christ, flood social media with words of death. Words matter. Family, friends, co-workers, civil servants, businesses in the area. What if we were the most affirming people in the area? That would be so much fun. So I want you to make a goal. What if this week, I hope it goes on and on for the rest of your life, but just this week, what if you were to affirm three people every day? Make it your goal to affirm three people every day. Now, I'll warn you. To be that kind of person, you're going to have to take the focus off of you. You're going to have to focus on blessing others, and you're going to need this one last thing from our passage. And it's this, to be secure in the love of God. Secure in the love of God. Listen, life is, life is hard. Let's be honest. Life is hard. It was for the Thessalonians. And so Paul knew that they needed a power source for the grind, right? And so what he said to them is, believe in yourself, release your inner warrior. You got to out hustle your competition. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. That's not what he said, is it? No. Paul knew that they didn't need worldly wisdom. They needed a real power source, an eternal power source for the grind. He knew words mattered. And so here's what Paul said. He said, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That is, to meditate on the love of God. That that isn't the love you have for God. I believe that is the love God has for us. Because so much health flows from being convinced of the affection of God toward you. And it's based on the work of Christ, not based on you. And therefore, it's completely secure. You have been adopted as a child, a daughter, a son of God. And God never kicks his kids to the curb. He is just laser focused with his love on you. Nothing can make him love you more. Nothing can make him love you less. I want you to steep in that. I want you to meditate on that. I want you to marinate in the love of God. You see, so many of us, myself included, have a very deep father wound. That is that our earthly father was either missing or left a gaping hole uh, of pain in our life. So much unhealth in our life flows from still trying to seek his love, either directly or indirectly. And we're messed up people. Listen, you have a new father. God himself. Your God is for you. Your God loves you. These are letters from your dad. I want you, listen, I want you to right now hear him speak his word of love right into your heart. He loves you. He's pleased with you. You could not be more secure. Couldn't possibly. Now, after that, then having become rock solid, secure in the love of the Father. 
we then would trust that God is faithful to his word, that he hasn't forgotten us. Then we would go spread his glorious gospel to everyone. We would pray with and for each other like crazy. And we'd go into the world on a passionate mission to speak words of life and affirmation to people. You know why? Because words matter. Words matter. All right, finally. Okay, <laughs> Not like an Apostle Paul, finally, where he's going to go on for a bit. But, but like, really, finally. Let me put it this way. Finally, brothers, pray for us. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Amen. What I want to do is take a nap. That's what I'm about to do. But first, let me pray. Father in heaven, (laughs) Father, our dad, fill in the wound so deep in our life. The one who loves us so much, to drive that deep into our hearts so that then we would feel secure and we could take the focus off ourselves and we could just love others and bless them with life and affirmation. We could spread the gospel far and wide that it would not only speed ahead but also be honored. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you keep your word. Thank you that even though this life is hard, you are for us and you will take us home someday. And we look forward to that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.